If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You are listening to Dragon Quest FM, where I am BJ and Austin is not here. This week, Austin has had a family emergency where we were not able to record anything new for you guys. But we figure that a lot of you have not listened to his DQ quarantine cast, and we wanted to put some of those on here for you. So we have included a lot of the cast that, well, four of the cast that he did for you, uh, where he and I talk about Final Fantasy fourteen. We have DJ Pimp Daddy on where he talks about all sorts of fun stuff and a couple more that I'm just going to let you listen to and hear. Uh, he will talk about, let's see, day eight, day 17, day 18 and day 42. So there is a spread on here for you to listen to. And we hope that you enjoy those. If you like those, make sure that you check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash FM. And you can check out all of the free ones on there as well. Not all of them are patron exclusive, and there are 50 total. So absolutely check that out, and we hope that you guys enjoy this. And we will be back when there is not an emergency keeping us from doing it. Bye, y'all. And one more thing. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a GoFundMe for Austin's brother-in-law who was killed last week. That's the family emergency I mentioned and why we can't record together today. But I wanted to make sure that you guys had the link to the GoFundMe that was set up for his three kids. Uh, Ben loved his three kids more than just about anything else in the world. And it is a shame that they uh, lost their father. So if you could take a look at the link in the description of this podcast, Cast and in the show notes, it would be absolutely fantastic if you could uh, support the family right now uh, in their time of uh, grieving and need. Uh, thank you guys so much. And now on to the show. Welcome to day eight of the daily quarantine cast. Day eight, going into week two now. Uh, today, BJ's here. Hey! And since I've been talking at you guys a whole lot lately, and BJ is here today. I'm going to let him tell y'all and me <laughs> uh, kind of what he's been playing, what he's been doing uh, since uh, all the quarantine stuff started. Well, mostly what I've done is play Final Fantasy XIV with you. Uh, that's actually been probably the uh, dominant thing I've done with my time. Um, I hit level 60 on my white mage this morning. I didn't tell you. Oh, I did cool. one uh, duty. I had a leveling duty that I needed to do and uh, went ahead and did it before I got to work this morning and hit 60 and uh, was able to put on my uh, the level 60, like 290 gear or whatever. Uh Um, I know you and I were discussing it the other day, how I hadn't actually upgraded any gear for like the last 10 levels that it was like, Oh, I've just been doing these scaled down instances. It doesn't really matter. I hadn't had any problems until I didn't run one with you. And I got put into a level 58 dungeon uh-huh. And I'm wearing level 50 uh, gear. Uh, that was not fun. That was not fun to heal at all. Uh, so it took a little bit of uh, patience on my part. But I got through it. I got my new gear on. So I'll be good for the next uh, little bit as we play together. Jennifer has been playing Rhyme. Uh, 
I can't remember. Did you say you beat it or did you give up on it on the PS4? I started playing it because uh, my cousin and his wife had played it and uh, were trying to platinum it because it's supposed to be a pretty easy platinum. Yeah. And they kind of they gave up on it because they didn't really like it very much. Uh, so I started it and really liked the art style, but I gave up on it too. I didn't really like it very much either. <laughs> oh man, and it's the perfect kind of game for her. She loves like action, not action, but adventure platforming puzzle games like that. And so she's been playing it a bunch. So I'll sit on the couch and watch her. And uh, it's whenever there gets to be a ridiculous puzzle that I'll chime in something when she just can't uh, see what it is. Uh, so we get through a lot of it by teamwork whenever I, I like sitting there watching her do it. And then uh, then whenever it's just like, I'm not having fun with this puzzle anymore. Do you see anything? And then I'll be like, I don't know. Let me look. Uh, but that one's actually been a lot of fun. That's how we play a lot of those games together with me watching, I guess. Um and then I started Final Fantasy X, which I know you feel almost as strongly about ten as I do about twelve. Uh, that you think it is a garbage game, pretty no, much. No, right? no, no, no. I like ten fine. The PS2 version of ten was fine. I have a problem with the remaster. I think I think the remaster, and I don't I don't think ten is a gr- is a great Final Fantasy game. I think it's I, I, it's kind of somewhere in the middle for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I like the I like the turn based combat that it has. I like pretty much all the characters. I don't really like Titus very much, the main character, because he's, yeah, he's kind of whiny. Yeah, he's he's super whiny. Um, but like Auron, Waka, uh, Yuna, uh, Kimari, I don't really like Riku very much either. Um, but most of the characters I like. The problem is it's it's a PS2 game and the remaster. They don't let you skip cut scenes. They don't right. let you like speed up your walking or anything. So the game is so slow now. Like it, it definitely shows its age. Like it feels like you're playing a PS2 game. Yeah, it does. And one of the things about that part of it is that I thought it had a speed up is that one of the reasons I bought it because I had some eShop credit and I was able to get it for $7, get the remaster set of it in uh, 10 too. So I was like, sure, I'll get it for $10. And then I also bought Final Fantasy nine on the switch. Um, but it was, I started this one and I had it on the Vita and it was very, very slow and painful. And I actually sold that copy of it because I just couldn't deal with the PS2 slowness of it. But for some reason on the Switch, it doesn't feel painfully slow to me anymore. That maybe that's just the kind of game I'm in the mood for. Something really chill, just sit back and watch it and uh, let the turn-based battles go do their thing. And uh, I've been having a really good time with it. And I can tell that I am a different person than I was 19 years ago when it came out because I like Waka, that uh, I like the character now, not like him in my battle, like in my party during battles or anything. But I like him as a character. I'm like, oh, he's sad about his brother. Uh Like, I don't. I like Waka. I've always liked Waka. He used to get he used to get on my nerves so much because of how he talked. And I love that voice actor. It's, I do too now. It's it's John DiMaggio. Okay. Um, uh from like Futurama. I don't know. He did a bunch of he's done a bunch of stuff with like Futurama and the the Netflix show uh Disenchanted. Never uh, it's, saw by, it either. By, it's by the same group, you know, like Simpsons right. writers and everything. Yeah, and he's he's a really talented voice actor and he's really funny. He he does he's the voice of Bender on Futurama. Okay. Uh I think he's the voice of like Zoidberg and a couple of the other huh. characters too. And uh I mean, if you listen to Waka, he sounds very much like uh, oh, I can't remember his name on on uh, Futurama. I don't know. I'll have to pay attention to see if I recognize Futurama in it now. And he's the voice of Kimori. Uh, is he really? Yeah. 
Man, I didn't know. And I, I like Kamari. I like playing as Kamari. And when I was younger, I didn't. It's like this is a – I remember story beats for 10. And, like, I remember all of the major – most of the major stuff that happens in it. But I don't remember any of the stuff in between. Like, all of the character dialogue, the uh, the how you get to these major plot points. Like, when you get to the Blitzball tournament, all the stuff before that, like, I don't remember. Having how you get to Mount Gagazette and all of these different, like, the interludes, the intermission, the stuff where you're actually playing. I don't remember because I didn't play it, but through one time. And uh, that was when it was brand new in 2001. So, like... I was what, how old was I? 18 at the time. And uh, when it came out and I remember playing it in college that first semester and it's like, okay, like it's, uh, it's good. And like, I loved it. And then I never beat it because Bob erased my memory card with my save and I never went back to play the rest of it. (laughs) And um, like, I'm still mad about that. Like I never got to actually beat it because I didn't want to replay the entire game uh, back then. And so now I'm like, you know what? Almost 20 years have passed. I think I can let myself replay it without uh, without anger at this point. So I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. I think my problem with the remaster. So f- first of all, I, I have played and beaten 10 probably like three or four times on the PS2. because right. I, I loved the game when it was brand new. And uh, it was kind of just one of those RPGs that I would replay, like, when there was downtime between video games. Yeah, I understand that. So I played it a lot when I was younger. My problem with the remaster, though, is that it's the first remaster uh, that Square Enix did. You know, since then, they've had, like, remasters of, like, you know, Kingdom Hearts games and, like, 9 and 7 and 8 and 12 and, like, all these. But this was the first one, and they basically just made it an HD remaster of the international version. Yeah. Not the North American version, the international version. And so because of that, there's not quality of life stuff like the speed up uh, walking or even speed up battle or anything like that. Or, you know, cut scene skip like there yeah. is in in the other remakes that really like improve the quality of those games and make them not feel as dated. Yeah. Uh, but my, and I've never liked how linear 10 was. Like I, my favorite part of 10 is once you... Once you get toward the end before the final boss and the world kind of opens up and you can fly around and hunt yeah. for your, like your ultimate weapons and all of this kind of stuff. Um, like that's my favorite part of 10 and the international version. There's all, all these like dark aeons and stuff that were put in that like make it more difficult to get some of the summons and some of the different items and yeah. things like that. And I just uh, like, it just, I don't know. It really ruins that game for me. Like, it, like I think like 10, is probably a mid-tier Final Fantasy game for me. The 10 remaster is probably like at the very bottom of my list of <laughs> Final Fantasy games. It is uh, apparently Yojimbo is very important to kill the Dark Aeons that uh, every strategy I've come around is just like, you know, you you pay Yojimbo and hopefully he will one hit, one hit kill them for you as you're going around. And so I plan on doing that a lot. But then but you you got to farm a ton of gill. Yeah, pay him to do that. I mean, that's a lot of money. Apparently, you sell a lot of weapons, from what I've seen. I don't know. I hadn't got to that point yet, so I'm not angry at it yet. I will get there, and you'll hear about it. Yeah, I don't know. The cutscene skit would have been helpful too, because some yes. of these boss fights have like 20 minute cutscenes before them, and God forbid you wipe, because then you have to watch that 20 minute cutscene all over again. You absolutely do, and you can't speed it up. Like that is something I hated in the original one too. I I died a few times on uh, Mount Gagazette, I remember, too. I think Seymour and ended up uh, having to replay a cutscene over and over and over and over and over again. 
And I know I stopped playing it for a little bit. Even even 18-year-old me got really frustrated with it. Yeah. So, so yeah. You can find out kind of Dragon Quest-y, more Dragon Questy stuff that BJ's been doing on the podcast this week because we're about to record that too. Uh, special thanks to all of our patrons once again, and I'll see you tomorrow. Welcome to day 17 of the Daily Quarantine Cast. It's Austin here. So I live in Florida. For anybody who doesn't know, I live in Florida, and we actually uh, go on lockdown starting midnight. It's Friday today, so I guess it started like at midnight earlier when I was asleep. I don't know. I guess I'm technically in lockdown now, but it's lockdown for the next 30 days. You can only leave your house for essential things like groceries and medicine, and you can't really, you're not supposed to leave your house otherwise. So I'm on lockdown for at least 30 days, so it looks like we're doing at least 30 more of these. (laughs) So if you're liking the Daily Quarantine Cast, I guess that's good news for you. Uh, If you're not, then I'm sorry. I'm committed now. So uh, let's see how long we can keep this up. Today's episode will probably be a little shorter than usual because we actually have a new Dragon Quest FM episode up today. Uh, That is a character spotlight all on Eric from Dragon Quest XI. We're going to be doing character spotlights for the next like seven, eight weeks, uh, talking about Dragon Quest XI and really focusing in on the characters in that game. So today's episode of Dragon Quest FM should be up by now. If it's not, just check your RSS feeds uh, and hopefully it'll update soon because it should be up right now while you're listening to this. So today's episode, I just wanted to talk for just a little while about kind of the mascot for Dragon Quest. I'm talking about the slime. The slime to Dragon Quest is like Pikachu and Pokemon. It's like, it's just this ubiquitous, iconic mascot. Uh, The slime, of course, it made its debut back in the very first Dragon Quest in 86. Over here in the States, it was 89 in Dragon Warrior. The slime, it's the first enemy that you happen upon. You leave the comforts of the castle and wander out into the wilderness, and you are going to be attacked by a little blue slime. He's a cute little guy. He's smiling at you. (laughs) And then... Uh, He can kill you if you don't watch out. You got to grind some levels for a little while. So you get really used to to the slimes that way. So then we'll jump ahead a little bit. So it made its debut back there in 86. So let's jump ahead just a little bit to Dragon Quest VII. When Dragon Quest VII came out, you could actually become slimes. Uh, To my knowledge, that's the first time you could ever do that in a Dragon Quest game. You could actually become slimes in Dragon Quest VII. Now, in Dragon Quest V, you could befriend a slime and he would fight alongside of you, but you couldn't actually become one. But thanks to the monster heart mechanic that exists in Dragon Quest VII, you were able to actually turn into a slime if you wanted to. Your stats took a huge hit. Like, you were not very, uh, you were not a very good fighter or very good at anything. I mean, you looked cute. You're a cute little blue slime, but your stats took major hits because of that. Then, not too long after that, Around, I believe it was 2003, Slimes, they got their very own game. We got the Rocket Slime series. Now, the first one didn't make it over here. The second one did, as Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. The third one uh, actually uh, came out for the 3DS a few years ago. And we actually got an English fan translation of Rocket Slime 3, which you can check out if you're interested in the Rocket Slime, Slime Mori Mori series. 
But Slimes, they first got their own game. That would have been back in 2003. And then, of course, we have to talk about some of the Nintendo games that Slimes have appeared in. Now, they have probably most recently appeared in Smash Brothers. Uh, you can see them in Smash Brothers Ultimate. The DLC would have come out in last year, I guess, 2019. So it's been very, very recently. But Slimes actually made some appearances in some other Nintendo games. Back in uh, 2011, uh, the Slime was featured in Fortune Street. I know several of our listeners uh, played Fortune Street on the Wii. The Slime showed up in uh, the Mario Sports Mix, which also came out for the Wii. And what was kind of special about Mario Sports Mix is the Slime was a playable character. You could actually, uh, you could play as the Slime throughout any of the sports games that were featured in Mario Sports Mix. If you wanted to be a blue slime, you totally could. You could take on, you know, Waluigi, Yoshi, Mario, Toad, any of those people as a blue slime. So it's kind of that's that's kind of cool, right? Uh, the uh, some other iterations of slimes that we've seen, of course, would be Legend of the Hero Abel. Uh, we did a few episodes over that. Did an anime uh, binge party, watch party for that a while ago, and you could see uh, the slimes in an anime style. You actually had a she slime and a slime that were featured in there, as well as little slime babies. They appeared white in the anime series. And, of course, we have the Dragon Quest Your Story movie that came out in 2019 and released over here just in February of 2020. So we got to see the slime in kind of a... Uh, you know, he's a, he's a character uh, in this movie, very nice, clean, DreamWorks-style CGI, and he talks when he actually talks toward the end of the movie he has a very deep voice <laughs> and then lastly i would just like to mention dragon quest heroes the first dragon quest heroes game for ps4 uh, to my knowledge that's the first time we have a talking slime we have helix he is in your he's not a playable character in your party but he's in your party he can throw you some heals and things like that and he actually uh, talks to you and to my knowledge, that's the first time we actually get a talking slime uh, in any of the Dragon Quest games uh, with voice acting and everything. We have a full-blown voice-acted slime in Helix. He also makes appearances in Heroes 2, except he has like a military beret. He has like a military beret on instead. So he looks, he's ready to, to kick butt in Heroes 2. So that about does it for today's episode. Just wanted to kind of celebrate dragon quest slimes and talk about them a little bit different iterations that we've seen if i left one out uh, be sure to let me know i tried to hit all the high points that i could think of uh, in today's episode mini-sode so uh, if i left one out make sure you let me know thank you guys for listening and tomorrow uh, unless something happens tomorrow i will be recording the daily cast with a special guest joining me so keep an eye out for that tomorrow and I'll see you guys then. Bye. Welcome to day 18 of the Daily Quarantine cast. Today I have a special guest joining me, DJ Pimp Daddy. Thank you for uh, hanging out with me today. Woohoo! So, uh, so I mentioned, I think a couple of days ago, uh, that you had uh, a, a cool little collection of Dragon Quest stuff, Dragon Warrior stuff, uh, oh, that yeah. you shared with us, like months ago maybe even like a year ago i can't remember how long ago it was 
Yeah, time, time is an illusion these days. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it, it really, really is. Uh, BJ and I talked about that on the last Dragon Quest FM. We were talking about how it feels like we're all on the island from Lost now. That oh, yeah. we're just like, time doesn't matter. <laughs> and like, time's kind of funky. It's like, sometimes it feels like a year. And sometimes it feels like it's just been like two days. You never know. I, I've had more of a Westworld thing where I don't know what timeline I'm in, but I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck in a loop. That's for sure. <laughs> this could be a simulation. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you have all or most of the Nintendo Power stuff I was talking about a few days ago, right? All of it. <laughs> yeah i i got my I got my my Dragon Quest from Nintendo Power. That that was the start of a long history. <laughs> so. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then, uh, so what, what other Dragon Quest goodies do you get? Yeah, so through the years, um, at least back in the day before there was internet, physical maps and media was the way to collect things, right? Mm-hmm. And you couldn't just jump on Wikipedia or a game website to look up like a dungeon or something. So like anytime you came across any of these maps, either through like Nintendo Power or a friend of a friend who would make you a copy or something, that was the way to, uh, to to go. So it was amazing to come across uh, slowly, at least the first four games. I have most of the maps that were either packed in or from magazines or Nintendo Power or, you know. So all the maps I have are very well used. <laughs> and the <laughs> smartest thing I did was like my, my, my mother was a, a school teacher so I had sort of, you know, backdoor access to like a laminating machine that was huge. So I laminated oh, nice. most of them, which was a great idea, which has caused them to wear and tear less. <laughs> but they're still folded and crinkled. and They feel like a map, like an actual map, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's actually one thing I was impressed with. I recently got uh, The Witcher 3 on uh, Switch. Yeah. And... You know, I was expecting just a Switch game to come in the mail, and it's actually, it's inside of a box, and it comes with a map, and it comes with, like, a little manual Hmm. that you would have gotten back in, like, you know, the PS1, (laughs) PS2 days, and I was really impressed, and I was like, why don't all companies do this still? Yeah, I I actually told a a friend about that. I was like, do you remember the days of pack-in manuals with software? Like, that's gone. (laughs) yeah, like they just don't pack in software anymore. It's it's like oh, just go to our website and download the PDF. But even the PDF, it's like it's a tedious to find. So yeah, and and I always I was always a big fan of the manuals because you know I I like the extra art that comes with them and stuff. Oh yeah, and so so once around, I guess it was like the the PS3, uh, Xbox 360, really like PS3 games. I remember n- not always having manuals, especially there towards like the end of the lifespan of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And then just, I, I don't think I, I've seen a PS4 game that came with a manual. I have some that come with like advertisements for other games, but nothing mm-hmm. that has an actual manual. I remember Dragon Quest Two had a fairly extensive manual slash tip book, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. Or was it, I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm crossing my streams here. It might've been yeah. Dragon Quest Two or Two or Three, but it, they, they were at least really good about providing like, a tip book on how to get through like half the game. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, in, in that one, you need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> there, there were so many obscure quests in that. And uh, one thing I heavily used the map for originally was um, just the sailing around the world because 
going from walking around on land where you could kind of look for landmarks once you get out into the sea it's just like you know you're just kind of sailing across endless blue and you're looking for a coral reef in the middle of it right yeah i mean that that's one of my big problems with two is whenever i was looking for that sunken treasure is that you know i think i even (laughs) mentioned it in the in the in the DQ two episode that we did uh, with Dragon Quest FM, where I was just, I still to this day, I think it was a bug in the mobile version of the game because <laughs> I did nothing else. I just kept going back to the same spot after I Googled where it was. And I just kept going back to the same spot and it never would appear. And then finally, just, you know, after like the 15th try, whatever try, it was just there. And I was like, cool, I'm not going to, not going to question this like gift. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I went straight there where i knew where it was and it wasn't there and then it took me a few minutes to realize that you had to talk to the guy in the jail to trigger the quest <laughs> yeah yeah so i <laughs> which is such an obscure thing right i was like that's such an rpg thing right <laughs> and, and I, I when i looked it up it told me to go talk to that guy and i'd already talked to him but i was like okay maybe i didn't like get through the right dialogue bit or yeah, something. yeah so i went back and i talked to that guy like five or six times and he just kept saying the same thing and i was like well obviously i've talked to the right guy so i just I, anyway i just kept sailing <laughs> around and you know eventually it appeared so i don't know i don't know what the deal is with that you needed fancy maps is what you needed <laughs> i did i did and spe- speaking of fancy maps i got a re- there's a really nice uh, cloth map that comes with the uh, dragon quest 11 collector's edition nice and then the the Nintendo Force, the Dragon Quest Eleven issue of Nintendo Force magazine that I talked about a few days ago, mm-hmm. actually came with a map of that too. It, it's like a big like poster map nice. uh, for uh, all of uh, Erdria. I started to say Eorzea. That's the Final Fantasy uh, fourteen <laughs> world. Erdria, Eorzea, they're very similar, and I've spent a lot of time in both of them. <laughs> I think I've only gotten one cloth map my entire life, and it was from um, Neverwinter Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last game, or actually the only game I, I could think of that actually came with a cloth map. Those things are rare, <laughs> but it's like the size of a hanky, right? So it's nothing. Oh, to, gotcha. Nothing to frame. <laughs> the the um, the ones I had I had quite a few for Zelda games because I I always get the or tried to get the collector's edition strategy guides for the Legend of Zelda games, mm-hmm. and they used to be they would be hardcover and they had like there were different colors but they all kind of look together and they kind of look like these just like ancient tomes that you would find in like a dungeon or something. Gotcha. And they're really cool. They, they quit doing that uh, with the breath of the wild strategy guides, which kind of bummed me out. But, uh, but I had the one for like skyward sword and wind waker and twilight princess. And they came with cloth maps. And I was really disappointed in the skyward sword one because you know, that game you're flying around the islands and stuff. And so the cloth map, it's not really a map. It's just like a picture of like the islands like put on a, uh, and it's made to look like this aged tapestry, but it's just pictures of the islands. And so I was a little disappointed (laughs) by that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of the more interesting things in my weird collection of of papers and stacks is the, the original Enix newsletters, right? So Mm -hmm. Back after Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior One came out in North America, when Nintendo Power started teasing about Dragon Warrior Two, Square Enix had a, a a newsletter, and you actually had to write a letter to sign up for it. Mm-hmm. Way before emails, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I remember writing a letter to Enix America, which was in Washington, of course, and. Uh-huh. 
you sign up for the newsletter and then every quarter they sent out a newsletter, which literally was just a one page pamphlet folded in, in three ways mm-hmm. and taped shut. And it had news about upcoming Dragon Warrior games in America. So that's when, that's how I learned mostly about Dragon Warrior 2 and 3. And then later, of course, the, the newsletter dissolved. And they pretty much just published everything through Nintendo Power, all their, their sort of announcements and stuff. Yeah. So the, uh, the vlog that you did a while back where you showcased some of the stuff that we shared on the DQFM Twitter account, and we talked about it and linked to it in one of our past episodes as well. But you were talking about you and your friends, you actually made like a fan strategy guide <laughs> for, was it, was it Dragon Quest Two, Dragon Warrior Two? The NPPC, the Nintendo Power Players Club, is what we called it. <laughs> it's a, it a collection of, uh, it was like my gang of nerds. <laughs> this was like, I think it was like sixth and seventh grade. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody loved the Nintendo at the time. And uh, my friends and I, we formed a club of like hardcore Nintendo Power Players. And uh, we we made our own fanzine called the MPPC. And... Yeah, it's like once again we had access to a copier. That that was the the that was the catalyst. Was, I had access to a copier in the eighties, which you know, <laughs> which was hard to come by. Yeah, but because of that, we were able to physically print copies of our zine, which was usually about a ten to twelve page magazine about Nintendo games. And of course, we loved Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest back then, so we we had several issues about you know that stuff. One of my friends, uh, he made like two page uh, guides, you know, mm-hmm. walkthrough guides on Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy one that are still better than most <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, uh, guides I've seen out on the Internet. But he condensed it down to two pages of like no fluff. Right. Yeah. And uh, as a result, like I still have most of those issues and I, I i keep telling myself someday i should like scan them and then like retouch them up to where you know because i have copies of copies of copies at this point uh-huh. <laughs> and um just publish them back out on the internet but i just wish i had enough time you know it's like you just have all this this work and life and stuff or you know it's like we just need some sort of a pandemic to come along where we have yeah, enough time keep you indoors for like and, the next yeah 30 days. exactly yeah. <laughs> i'm just i'm just waiting for that someday austin so yeah it's like it's like my pile of games too i'll get to those someday <laughs> we this this isn't nearly as fun as copying dragon quest games but we actually decided this morning to try to potty train our twins while we're stuck indoors for the next 30 days <laughs> that's Um, that's a good life skill right there (laughs) yeah so that's gonna that's gonna be uh that's gonna be interesting um (laughs) i was of the mind of like hey i'm gonna like get some like i mean you know i'm gonna do this uh these mini sods every day i'm gonna do some work with the podcast i'm gonna like write a little bit gonna play some video games you know while i'm just stuck at home and my wife was like no we should potty train the twins and i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) you're right yeah like that's 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 a better use of my time (laughs) oh that's great (laughs) so um so one thing I, I did want to mention uh, while, while we're hanging out today uh, before we run out of time or anything yeah. is that before quarantine, uh, I actually uh, went in to our local Publix here and they have the uh, canned 
uh, canned Skyline chili. Oh. <laughs> and uh and we stocked up on it and my wife has been making spaghetti noodles and then we we put the uh, skyline chili over it and it actually it actually tastes just like skyline chili like the chili the canned chili tastes just like the kind you would get at the at the restaurant oh yeah but yeah. but we can't find a substitute for the cheese <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, it has to be like a very specific kind of sh- finely shredded cheddar cheese right yeah and, but not too sharp <laughs> yeah that's true and for those people listening who don't know skyline chili it's this great thing that's in <laughs> in and around cincinnati it's in ohio and for some reason the people that own that i guess they retired or vacation down in broward county here in south florida oh yeah and so they opened up i think there's two i've only been to one but we go to one regularly uh, when we do work with the city of sunrise florida <laughs> uh there's one down there anytime we're down that way we always stop and get skyline chili and like if my wife's not with me i bring her some back I always feel bonded to people from Ohio because of Skyline Chili. And even 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 the lady that was checking me out at Publix was like, oh, I'm from Ohio. You know, this is this is really good. I'm like, yeah, I know. My wife and I love Skyline Chili. So uh, there is tales all over the U.S. of people opening Skyline Chili's franchises in the weirdest places because they're like ex-Cincinnatians that move. Uh-huh. So there, there is a skyline chili in St. Pete, Florida, and it's it's covered and decorated exactly like a skyline up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and that, that's the thing about the one down here that we always go to. It's just pictures of like Cincinnati. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like Cincinnati pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's like all the sports teams. It's got like it, there's photographs of you know the of, of different buildings in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's like hey, there's like blueprints of like the roads and like sewer systems i mean there's just like all kinds of stuff you know just hanging on the walls there yep yep yep. that's cincinnati and so we kind of spread far and wide we're the reason a quarantine's not going to work <laughs> so uh once again thanks for coming on hanging out with me talking about your dragon quest collection today no problem um and i uh, hope you guys all stay safe uh during this time and don't get too bored either <laughs> yeah so thank you guys for listening and Uh, I'll be here tomorrow. Bye. Hey, everybody. It is day 42 of the Daily Quarantine Cast. And in today's mini-sode, I thought I'd take a little bit of time to actually talk about the Square and Enix merger uh, that took place back in the early 2000s. It's something that I had been interested in. I've like talked about a little bit, I think, on Dragon Quest FM. And talked about, you know, with just friends and people in general when we're geeking out about video game stuff. But it's something that I decided to actually dig a little bit deeper, read some stuff online about it. And uh, so today I just wanted to share that because I thought it was kind of interesting, uh, some of the things that I learned. So probably the the biggest thing, which uh, some of you may know this already. I, I, I knew it already. I think we'd even mentioned on Dragon Quest FM. But um, it seems to not be super well known. And that is that the Square Enix merger happened because of Square, not because of Enix. A lot of people, because Square is first in Square Enix, people assume that Square uh, was doing this fantastic and Enix was kind of bombing so that Square kind of absorbed Enix, which wasn't the case. To get a better picture of all this, we got to take it like a step back and look at what Square was doing at the time. So Squaresoft... It had made some pretty successful video games. It had made, you know, Final Fantasy VII, which was huge. 
It had made Final Fantasy VIII, which was big. It made Final Fantasy IX, which although it did not sell well as well as seven or eight, it still uh, did pretty well for a video game, and it had a lot of critical success. So it was doing all of these things, and then uh, all of a sudden, Squaresoft decided that they were going to spend over $100 million in making this movie called Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, if you've seen it once, I'm sorry. If you've seen it twice, then you're a masochist because it is a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, I am not ashamed to admit that I own it, uh, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I have watched it once. <laughs> it just is sitting on my shelf. Actually, the copy I own has never even been opened because I watched it, uh, I, I bought it, never opened it, and then a few years later, I ended up watching it on like the Sci-Fi Channel when I was in like high school or something. So it's not a great movie. Don't recommend it. And a lot of people didn't like it either. So much so that Square like took a major financial hit. They had invested all this money into making this weird Final Fantasy movie that nobody liked and nobody really watched. And so because of that, they had a lot of financial troubles. And... They had some other projects lined up. You know, they had Final Fantasy X, uh, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy XI, I believe was the last one that was really uh, promoted there before the merger. And so they had some other things lined up, but that was really it. Enix, on the other hand, uh, this is kind of what Enix was doing at the time. Enix wasn't in dire straits financially because they had Dragon Quest. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven, even though it didn't, do so hot over here it sold something like a couple hundred thousand copies here on the playstation it did really well in japan in fact here's a fun fact that i learned that you maybe don't know uh dragon quest 7 actually outsold final fantasy 7 in japan so even though you had this uh technical marvel at the time that was final fantasy 7 uh, and then you had dragon quest 7 that had these really honestly outdated graphics and didn't look so hot and, you know, PlayStation 2, uh, all of this stuff was out. Uh, then you had Dragon Quest Seven, but it still outsold it just because of the sheer popularity of Dragon Quest in Japan. So Enix was doing okay. They had ran into a little bit of trouble because Dragon Quest Seven just kept on getting postponed over and over and over again. So things were a little tight there, but they were not struggling financially the way that Squaresoft was. Enix's biggest problem was actually that other than Dragon Quest, they didn't have a whole lot going on. For those of you who have been listening to all of these minisodes, you heard me talk about Star Ocean. I called it the other big RPG series from Enix. And then Enix had a Valkyrie profile, if you've ever played uh, any of the Valkyrie profile games. And that was really it. I mean, they had those two other series other than Dragon Quest. Neither of them were as popular as Dragon Quest. Then they had just a bunch of like little random games that honestly, some people played, some people didn't. It wasn't like there were any big hits. While Squaresoft, you know, they had all sorts of stuff. They had Xenogears, uh, they had Vagrant Story, they had Final Fantasy Tactics, they had Parasite Eve. I mean, they had all of these games uh, coming out that, while maybe not as big as Final Fantasy, they were still more popular than any of the side stuff that Enix was putting out. And so it kind of made sense for the two studios to merge. Squaresoft needed help. Enix uh, really just needed some more IPs uh, that were popular. And so they they merged. 
some of the stuff uh, that I was reading that I kind of didn't know that I found interesting about all of this is that it looks, at least to me, uh, that Square really got the better end of this deal. I mean, Squaresoft was the one that was most in trouble. But then after all of the merger happened, uh, then you have you have uh, Squaresoft members who are at the head of the company. You have a couple of people like from Enix who are like vice president and things like that. But the, the very top head of the company uh, was definitely from Squaresoft. And then the fact that Square was in front of Enix in the title, you have all of that. And then also Square made up most of the employees. Once Square Enix merged, uh, Square had something between like 60 and 80% of their employees uh, were from Squaresoft and the others were from Enix. So a huge disproportionate amount there. So overall, it looks like Square kind of got the the better deal. What was really going on behind the scenes uh, for all of this, who knows? Uh, but I would say Squaresoft definitely got the better deal here. Now, there is one other kind of uh, important reason, uh, I would say, for uh, the Square and Enix merger. Enix was looking to finally hit it big in the West. Like, you know, we've talked about countless times. Everybody kind of knows at this point. Dragon Quest wasn't as big in the West. Uh, wasn't even close to the success that it experienced over in Japan. And so because of that, Enix was kind of looking forward to maybe making it big. Squaresoft seemed to be pretty good at having hits over here. Uh, you know, they had hit after hit with Final Fantasies. They had Kingdom Hearts game. The fir very first one uh, was pretty new at the time. That was a huge hit. Final Fantasy X was a huge hit. Final Fantasy XI at least was making some money because of subscriptions. And so they had all this going on. So Enix kind of hoped, hey, they apparently know something we don't. So maybe they can help make us big over in the West. Did it work? Um, kind of. I would argue yes. I mean, the, the game, the next Dragon Quest game that came out after that would have been Dragon Quest VIII. And it was the most popular Dragon Quest game here in the West at the time. Uh, it's since been outdone by some other Dragon Quest games. But uh, but at the time, Dragon Quest VIII was the biggest success. And since then, Dragon Quest just seems to keep on growing and growing and growing with the release of nine, now 11. Hopefully we'll get 10 someday. So yeah, I would say it worked. So that's kind of all the stuff that I kind of knew and kind of investigated for today's mini-sode, I decided to do something a little different and actually uh, read up on some stuff instead of just uh, spouting stuff off the top of my head like I usually do on here. Uh, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting. And I know that, like insider business info about two companies may not be the most interesting topic, but I thought, I thought it was super interesting. So thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all tomorrow. Bye.